Mass Murder Gang, and welcome to another episode of Mass Murder Talk. We are your hosts, Janine and Tony Johnson. Hi, Tony. Hey, y'all. So as some of our listeners may know, I also have a segment called The Parasite Files that I do by myself. If you haven't listened to any of those episodes, you should go check them out. On this podcast, we talk about mass murders, usually dealing with mental illness and or the family angle. However, we do not talk about school shootings. We talk about cases or stories that have been out for a while. We take the public information that we have and present it to our listeners through our eyes. I will say we are not therapists in any way. We will tell the stories with the information that we have to the best of our ability. At the end, I will always ask, what do y'all think? We will give our opinions and final thoughts. So this episode took me a little longer to put together because I had to piece a lot of the story together. So let's start the episode. This episode is about Bradley William Stone, who on December 15th, 2014, in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, around 3.30 in the morning, began his shooting spree and ended up killing six people. Allegedly, his targets were his ex-wife and her family. Although most of the victims were shot, some were also stabbed with a knife. So, Tony, anything else before we start? Nope. All right. So usually I start the episodes with some background on the shooter, but um, I scoured the Internet and I can't find anything about where he grew up, his birthday, how he grew up who his parents were, nothing. The only thing I could find is what year he was born, which was 1979, and that the shootings took place in 2014. So at the time of the shootings, he was 33. And I was able to find out around that time is when he had uh, joined the Marines. So Stone enlisted as a reservist in the United States Marine Corps, mainly as a meteorologist. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't even know they had positions like that available in the military. I mean, you know, maybe I'm just dumb for not knowing that, but. You're not. A lot of people don't know what all MOSs we have in the military. You wouldn't think that we have physis, uh, uh, nuclear physicists as an MOS in the military, but it's a thing. We have an MOS for just about everything. Well, I believe that, but, well, I guess a meteorologist is important i guess yeah because we need to know what the weather could be or what it's going to look like so that you know we can plan missions and or just for general safety of troops so stone was assigned to the third battalion 14th marines a, re- a reserve artillery battalion in philadelphia he had deployed to iraq and that tour started in on april 17th 2008 and it ended July 2nd, the same year. He had left the service later that same year, but he remained individual. So he was uh, like ready reserve until 2011. During his time in the Marines, he received several medals. So I don't know what 3rd Battalion 14th, uh, I mean, I know what artillery means, but the the 3rd Battalion 14th Marines, that's just the battalion he was in you know, division, brigade, all that stuff. That's just the unit name. Um, it was obviously a reserve battery um, or artillery battery out of Philadelphia. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is 
when you said he remained in the individual ready reserves, IRR, um, everybody thinks that once you get out, you're out. Well, you can go from active duty to reserve. From reserve, you can do IRR, which is basically you hold on to some gear and you can be called up and activated at any time for a deployment. Yeah, see, I had no idea about any of that. So Stone left the Marines with the rank of sergeant, and he was reportedly being treated for unspecified combat-related physical injuries. And on December 8th of that same year, he met with the psychiatrist at the VA center and was found to have no suicidal or homicidal ideation. In November of 2013, he pled guilty to a vehicular car crash that happened April 28th that was caused by his drunk driving. Part of his sentence was participating in a rehabilitation program for veterans. Stone also had two previous drunken incidents, one that occurred in 2001 and the other in 2004. So as we can see, dude had a few issues going on, but nothing that showed any indications of murder. So Tony, what do you think? You think he had any type of anything going on? I mean, there's no telling. Uh, I do know that a lot of veterans, when they're trying to help heal and or just, like, kill the pain, they'll resort to alcohol and stuff like that. Self-medicating, which isn't a good step, but, you know, it happens. So, let's see what uh, see what he does next, huh? I don't know if we want to know what he does next. So Stone married Nicole Hill in 2004 and filed for divorce in 2009. Their divorce was official in 2012. They had reportedly been clashing over custody of their daughters and other things for a while. Stone had filed for an emergency request for custody and was denied. I would say, you know, that that's pretty common that couples go through the custody thing. They go back and forth, especially when, you know, they have kids. On December 5th, Stone filed for an emergency petition, and according to the court records, Nicole responded with a counterclaim four days later. Stone's effort to gain custody for his daughters increased after Nicole sought treatment for drug abuse. She allegedly told neighbors that she was scared for her life and, and that she was sure Stone was going to kill her. Stone actually remarried in August 2013 and fathered a child with his second wife. Prior to the killings, Stone legally had purchased at least two handguns, a 40 caliber and a 9mm Beretta, and they were both used in the killings. So, again, allegedly, that was the reason for the killings was the ongoing custody dispute that Stone and his ex-wife was having over their daughter. So, as we can see, now dude is starting to unravel a little bit. So, Tony, any thoughts on the guns he bought? I mean, do you think that he bought them specifically for the shootings or personal use protection? What do you think? There ain't no telling. Um, I honestly have no idea. (laughs) I I couldn't even, because, I mean, if it was, if you could kind of equate it a little bit more to, hey, they went to court on this day, and then this day he went and bought the guns. I could see it, but... Well, maybe that's what I'm saying. Maybe it was premeditated. Maybe he was thinking about this prior to... I mean, he, you know, he he, he was a Marine. Well, so, I mean, 
I mean, it doesn't mean anything in particular. I'm just saying, you know, maybe that's just the way his brain worked. I mean, no, okay, okay, that's what, okay. But yeah, uh, there, there's no telling, like I said. Now, if if we could have found, like you said something at the beginning, it was hard to find stuff on this dude. Hard. This, this whole case, because either one, everybody said almost the exact same thing, yeah. or B, what was said different just didn't match up. And then, like, usually you can find somebody's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, MySpace, something. MySpace. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, <space>. look, look, <laughs> y'all. When I go digging, I go digging. So uh, I couldn't find anything, any social media accounts. I couldn't find a whole lot on this dude. So, but if 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 it was one of those cases where, yeah, they left court, he ended up going to the gun store. I could kind of see it, but I have no way of putting those puzzle pieces together. I don't think anybody does because this is the part where it gets a little fuzzy. Again, I couldn't find anything about what he was doing, what he was feeling, or anything before he decided to commit the murders. Stone was armed with two handguns, the 40 cal and the 9mm Beretta, and at least one knife. The first killings happened inside the home in Sauterton around 3.30 in the morning. Stone attacked his former sister-in-law, her husband, the couple's 14-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son. The couple and their daughter died, but the son survived. He ended up with significant cutting injuries consistent with defensive wounds and suffered blunt force trauma to the head. He was taken to a trauma center in Philadelphia for treatment. Uh, His assault resulted in him having a gaping skull fracture. Even though this happened around 3.30 in the morning, the crime scene wasn't discovered until around 8. It sounds like that kid put up a fight. That kid was not, that kid was not having it. He was like, mate, and I don't know, my opinion, I think, well, we'll get to that a little later, my, my personal opinion. So that man was trying to make sure he killed everybody in that house. I mean, maybe while he was attacking the 17-year-old, 17-year-old passed out. Maybe Stone thought he was dead. And why did it take so long for the crime scene to be discovered? I mean, I don't know, but I think that he got really lucky. The kid got really lucky. And I'm guessing that he killed, well, I thought that he had killed everyone with the knife. But upon further research, I found out that was not accurate. So any thoughts? I, like I said, it just sounds like he was a man on a mission. Honestly, and um, yeah, I I I want really wonder what was going through his head. I guess he just didn't want anybody other than himself or people in his family to have those kids. I guess which would make sense. And and the only reason I say this is if she had just been but uh, reportedly going to rehab, um. In his head, she may have been a risk to the kids, even though he probably could have been as well. But she was a risk to the kids, so he wanted custody of them. And he was going to get custody of them anyway. Mm. I guess by any means necessary. All right, so let's keep going, y'all. After Stone killed his ex-sister-in-law and her family, he then went to a home 20 minutes away in Lansdale, 
where he killed his former mother-in-law and grandmother-in-law around 4.25 a.m. Um, again, I'm not really sure how he killed them. Uh, I think one was shot in the face. I think one's throat was slashed. It was just a fuckery of shit that I just could not get exact information on. But to me, again, this story is crazy. He's just literally trying to eliminate everybody that could compromise his chance of getting those girls. So Stone drives about another 20 minutes at around 4.55 in the morning. He fatally shoots his ex-wife in her apartment in Lower Salford Township. The sound of gunshots woke the neighbors. One neighbor looked out of the window and could see Stone taking his daughters to his car. The neighbor came out, asked if everything was okay, and Stone said, she's hurt pretty bad. We have to leave. Stone left with his daughters and dropped them off at a neighbor's house in Pennsburg around 5.30 in the morning. The 40 caliber handgun was found at the crime scene where he shot his ex-wife. So, mind you, all of these murders happened December 15th in the early morning hours, and the manhunt starts shortly after he takes his daughters. So sometime in the afternoon of December 15th, the police go to a home in Pittsburgh where they think Stone had barricaded himself, but he wasn't there. Around 8 at night, Stone was reportedly sighted in Doylesburg, which is about 40 minutes away from Pittsburgh, and allegedly he was spotted on an attempted carjacking by a man wearing camouflage and was armed with a knife. The police did say that the sighting did not appear to be valid and the manhunt was centered in a wooded area. So, okay, at this point, the police are not playing because they conducted an extensive search in the Pittsburgh area. They had canine units, uh, a Philadelphia PD helicopter with infrared te technology, I mean, they just were not playing. The police advised people to stay indoors, keep their doors locked, and to call 911 if they saw Stone. This manhunt went into the next day because schools in the area of the manhunt were closed on December 16th. The shooter was described as having red hair and wearing brown or green uh, military fatigues. So, Tony, what are your thoughts? From what I understand, it's pretty hard to hide from helicopters. Uh, it's the almost, almost impossible. Um, the, most of the police helicopters these days have not only night vision, but they have FLIR. They have what? FLIR. What is that? Uh, it is a infrared technology. Basically, if it's hot, they can make the hot picture brighter against the background. They can make the cold picture brighter brighter against the background to see heat signatures so if uh any of y'all have ever played call of duty when you're in the the gunships then you do the black hot white hot um or predator movies where he's using the the heat signature of arnold schwarzenegger <laughs> that's 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 different versions of FLIR, <laughs> right um in the military we had FLIR on our, well, not necessarily FLIR, but uh, uh, heat sensors on some of the like M240s and M249s. 
where if you put your hand there and held it there for 30 seconds, two hours later, I'd still be able to see the outline of your hand. Ooh. So it's, it, and, and they, they do oh, weird surge patterns. So really the only way to hide from a helicopter is to be inside something or under something that can hide your heat. And you're not going to find that in just your average neighborhood. <laughs> no. So obviously the manhunt went on for a while. Eventually Stone was found dead in a wooded area about half a mile from his home in Pittsburgh. At first, his cause of death was self-inflicted cutting wounds to his midsection, but that was later denied by a preliminary autopsy. They did find a machete and a double-bladed black axe near his body, and both were covered in blood. They also found several pill bottles. The medical examiner found a seven-centimeter stab wound to his upper thigh and three superficial cuts to his leg and hip area. He also had 10 scratches on his face and neck. I'm guessing that's probably from his victims trying to fight back, or maybe, uh, who knows, maybe it happened while he was out in the woods. It sounds like he tried to cut his own femoral with the hip and uh, upper leg injuries. Well, why not just cut your throat or cut your wrist? <sighs> God's honest truth, you might actually survive. Yeah, but but if you cut the femoral, you're pretty fucked. Yeah, but even it, yeah, but and the carotid, like trying to get exactly. it yourself, trying to get it yourself is kind of hard because you've got to think you got to put a lot of pressure to get to it. So maybe he figured, you know, the femoral with an axe, you swing the axe, let the axe head do the work, and and pray that it worked. But apparently, it didn't. I. I don't know what he was saying. Me personally, I think that's just rough because he also cut his midsection. So now what that, was he trying to do? Disembowel himself? That sounds like some old school Japanese samurai seppuku. I don't know what he was thinking, but I whatever he was doing, it was fucking weird. But Stone's official cause of death was determined to be an overdose from a combination of trazodone, which is an antidepressant, Something called MCPP, which has a ridiculously long name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. But from what I could find, it's some sort of psychoactive drug in risperidone, a drug that's used to treat schizophrenia. So his death was ruled a suicide. I got a question. What? Sounds like a whole lot of medical mumbo jumbo uh, prescriptions. But the VA doctor said that he was good. Exactly. So where right? did he get the pills? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's why I and, said. And was he self-medicating? I don't know. That's why I did said he... this story is so weird. And it took me so long to piece together because so much of this stuff is all over the place. And nothing is like almost nothing is concrete. The only thing that's actually concrete is the victim's. Yeah, and if he wasn't self-medicating, who was the doctor that gave him the stuff? And because, uh, like, honestly, the MCPP never heard of that. Um, the Recibridone. Uh, how do you say that? Recibridone. Yeah, I'd never heard of that. Now the Trazodone, I know that. And how would you find somebody to get that stuff? I about to say maybe it wasn't his. Maybe he stole it from someone or 
maybe he found some sort of underground doctor who knows because if you look never said it was his you're right they just sound they, they just said, said they found, found the prescription bill yeah so who knows so that's it for this story y'all i know it was a little bit all over the place but i did the best i could um, we really did look we've been looking for a really long time just trying to first of all we spent what like two weeks just trying to match up yeah. all the stories to make sure those were right it was a lot and then you you came with to me and was like hey i've noticed this and can you look it up and i started looking and what it was was we couldn't find nothing no outside of the newspaper clippings which was really weird newspaper clippings oh you look y'all <laughs> y'all gotta forgive me i'm old school i'm old school i can't help it oh my god okay so that's it for this story y'all what do y'all think do y'all think that he really had some type of mental illness or do you think that the pressure of not having his daughters got to him um what do i think i think that maybe it was a combination of both i mean he was found with pills near his body for schizophrenia and anti-depression but the thing that got me about this story and i was telling my husband that this story is similar to the Roden family story as far as killing an entire family just to get custody of his daughters and i use the word custody lightly honestly because i don't think he planned this out very well because now the kids don't have their mother or their father and i guess the only good thing to come out of all this fuckery is that his daughters were safe and never harmed i mean this whole story is crazy so tony your opinion anything you want to add i mean i'll add this if you look at when he was in iraq unfortunately we couldn't figure out where but 2008 was like right after the big surge in iraq so who knows how injured he got what all happened because especially with the marine corps there's no telling how how well they documented his injuries and trying to deal with the VA is a pain, as we know. So, you know, I just, I, I wish maybe he could have gotten some help yeah. sooner. Yeah, I agree. So. Well, again, that's going to be it for this episode, Mass Murder Gang. I hope you enjoyed it. Again, I'm sorry if it seems a little weird and a little mismatched. And I, I really did try. Um, and oh, by the way, y'all follow me on Spotify. That helps my podcast reach more people and follow my Mass Murder Talk Facebook page. That's where I post when I'll be putting out new episodes and information about my podcast. So thank y'all for listening. Deuces.